Welcome in to another episode of the My Two Bits Florida Gators Football Podcast, or once again, your weekly therapy session. (laughs) I'm one of your hosts, Ben, and joined as always by our other host, Mr. Randy. Randy, how's it going? How's your depression meter? (laughs) You know what, man? Depression meter's okay. It's okay. Looking forward to this week and Turkey Day and a big matchup on Saturday. And yeah, an an interesting matchup now, right? It's kind of the battle of the backups going on in uh, in Gainesville. Very. Very. Let me ask you a question before we get started here. Is it better to lose a game that, uh, and maybe it doesn't matter whether you think you're going to lose or not, we'll leave that part of it out of it. Is it better to lose big? Uh, you know, not unexpectedly necessarily, because I think that does matter, but to lose big like we did to LSU or to lose in the way we just did in this game. And I don't necessarily mean the way we lost it, but just to lose so close in a game that, you know, felt like we could potentially steal. And then, you know, obviously we didn't. Um, which 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 one's worse for you? I'm curious. Oh, um. The LSU loss is worse because I think so way, too. The way they pulled away, the way yeah. that uh, we kind of, you know, lost out of some opportunities. This yep. game was different just because we were right there. We had so many opportunities, and, and that's the thing. It's almost like back when we were in school, right? Do you, when when you miss a test, or would you rather miss it by one question or eleven questions? Which one hurts the worst? You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Same thing. No, I hear you. I hear you. That's a that's a that's an interesting analogy there. Um, yeah, I, I think I agree. I think I agree. This one in particular, though, was really tough because of the nature of how we lost it in the end. That that Those specific elements made it tough. But anyway, of course, we'll get into that. So <laughs> yeah. I, I digress, and, and I, I didn't start as we normally do, which, of course, is to take us through our, our intro here with our, our mission and our vision and our agenda for the pod. So let me do that. So our mission here on My Two Bits is to provide factual analysis of all things Florida Gator football. Our vision is to have unfiltered conversation around the product on the field, as well as recruiting and overall coaching decisions. Our analysis will be based on review of film, and while we will express opinion, that opinion should always be based in some form of fact. We will also evaluate um, strategy and tactics that we've seen, as well as observation of player personnel decisions and on-field execution. So for the agenda, we will run through several different categories and kind of break down the game uh, overall by going through, first off, our oh my section, which will go through the exciting plays that we saw in the game, ones we want to really point out and highlight. We'll then talk some offense with the chomp segment. Then we'll go and look at the defensive side of the football in Gator Bait. We will then go to our visor throw segment, get out our beef for the week with the things that we did not like, whether it be uh, on the field or perhaps uh, coaching decisions or things of that nature. Then we'll talk a little recruiting and hatchlings. Uh, Then we'll talk about the culture that we saw with the team and and, um, with the overall state of the program in regards to that and pride of the sunshine. We'll then talk about how the officials went uh, or the officiating in the game went, excuse me, and move back, you suck, which, by the way, was very... uh, Pleased to hear the band playing that in Mizzou this uh, this week. And then uh, we will finish things up with a wrap-up, kind of discuss where we think the team is going forward, um, well, right now and going forward, and then play a little game we like to call Keep It or Pitch It for next week's opponent of, of course, FSU. So, having said that, let's get it started with some, oh my, talk to me about the exciting plays you uh, you liked this weekend. We had plenty to choose from. What, what were your picks this week, Randy? You know what? I had to I had to streamline it, B. 
I really yeah, did. For real. Uh, <laughs> we had some real good ones. So in no particular order, actually, yeah, they're in chronological order. No, uh, <laughs> um, uh, first one right off the bat, 61-yard pass, pass and a lot of yak for Ricky. Yeah, yeah. I love that on the opening drive. And again, it seems like on the opening drive, Napier has put together a masterful – did I say masterful for Napier? A, a very pretty well close, thought man. out. He's, a very he's, well he's gotten, thought out. I'll tell you, it's gotten a heck of a lot better as the season has gone along. It's actually one of my call-outs this week for sure. Yeah, yeah. So love the scheme there. Love exactly what happened with the route running downfield. Ricky, nice little stop, pop, turn, and and uh, did a great job on the run, of course. Uh, my next one is going to be uh, a 30-yard one by ETN, right, on UF's seventh possession to start the third quarter. That was huge because I felt like for him, you know what? Trevor is interesting because I feel like all he needs is just to see a gap once and yep. run through it. And then all of a sudden his tone changes because he's like, I got gaps. I'm going to go there. <laughs> and, um, you know, and and he followed that up with a 37-yard touchdown uh, when he turned on the Jets. So so I just love the fact of how he's running downfield. Not, and we talked a lot about the offense going east-west. There's been a lot of east-west with the screen passes, with the pass outs, with the short, with all those things. And guess what? Uh, it really, really cool to see him go north-south, more north, of course. Um, on U.S. eighth possession, uh, about eight minutes left to go in the third quarter, uh, you know, when you see what he was able to do, uh, again, just – the tone and the way that he runs, I love it. I think it's phenomenal. Um, I tell you what, Ricky's that, – that was it. I apologize. Uh, uh, Ricky's 39-yard touchdown run. Ricky yeah, man. Ball and I you that know, was nasty. But here's the thing. We, we don't really think – I mean, Ricky's fast, but Ricky's not as fast as Etienne or Johnson. But, but guess what? Right. On that play, Ricky turned on the Jets. Yeah, man. He was moving. He really did. And a, and a really nice cut in there too. I re, I I was impressed on that reverse. I mean, he beautiful he hit that hole and and he was just gone. I was like, whoa! I was like, oh wow! No one's gonna catch him. That's a solid run. Um, the next one, and I think and I think this should resonate throughout Gator Nation. Uh, and and you know this about me, B. I do not like seeing our players getting trucked, um, nope. <laughs> at all. And I know, obviously, you know, Miguel Mitchell got hurled by 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 their tight end there in the first quarter. But um, Graham Mertz, I know it cost us. Yeah. But Graham Mertz, yeah, man. trucking two defenders and fought off two more for a first down. And all that adrenaline—that was a lot of adrenaline, clearly, because he got up and he's like, "Hey, look what I just did! Holy smokes!" Um, and obviously, you know the adrenaline settled down and we got back to reality and he goes, Oh crap. My shoulder doesn't feel just right. <laughs> but that play, I tell you what, if I had one play or one opportunity to describe Graham Mertz and what he's meant to this team. Agreed. I think that's it. Yeah, man. I really do. Um, so anyways, that's that. And then, um, of course, Max Brown comes in and I get everyone's talking about the fumble, but I'm talking more about what Brown did to lead us. So for me, the oh my was it was a fourth and four and Max Brown pass up in the air, finds Khalil Jackson, double yeah. clutch, 
high point for a crucial first down. Agreed. Uh, I think those were pretty awesome. So anyways, those are my seven oh my plays from the Mizzou game. What you got, B? I like it. So um, a lot of them are very similar, uh, two of them being the same. And then I have a Max Brown uh, credit here as well. So I'll be I'll be brief with mine. So the Ricky catch on the first on the first drive. Absolutely. Uh, just what a way to start. And and again, as I kind of mentioned, you know, I kind of called out last week and it, and it occurred to me as I was calling it out. I said, you know, we haven't started well, especially in road games. And then I said, well, we started pretty well in South Carolina and started pretty well in Georgia and started pretty well in LSU and now we started pretty well in Mizzou. So I can't say that anymore because we've actually started quite well in the last four road games. Um, I know Georgia's not technically a road game, but you know what I mean, right? It's not, it's away from the swamp. Um, It's actually gotten a lot better. We've seen real progress with that as the year has gone along. He's really gotten better at having those first play, you know, drives really well orchestrated and organized. Um, so uh, give credit there. You know, we needed to start better, faster, strong. He's made real improvement there. We've seen it. So um, that was really great to see, obviously, what a huge play, you know, especially after we held them to a field goal on that first drive. That was phenomenal because you really felt like we were going to get that touch, which, of course, we did um, with that really nice ball and great catch by uh, by Trey in the end zone there. So um, so that was my first one as well. Um, and then I have the I have the rollout pass, and I think you you may have called it out on that on that TD for ETN. I'm not sure if you were talking about the run or, or the pass here. So Mertz rolled out and hit ETN, kind of coming across the field. So first of all, hitting a running yes. back down the field on a pass, what a novel concept, <laughs> rather than on a screen, right? Um, and and no less, it was Trevor. It wasn't Montrell, which is I, again we love Montrell. He's done good things, but. This is where Trevor shines, right? Gets it, makes a phenomenal cut up field, makes a man miss and takes it all the way to the house, just puts on the burners, man. And he was gone. That play, I was like, whoa, I've never seen anything like that out of this offense. That play totally like just defied what I've seen running this offense before. I was like, oh, okay, that's a wrinkle, right? Totally something different and new. I was like, great, let's see more of that. So that mm-hmm. was really great to see. Love the play design and, of course, really great execution. Um, absolutely have the Mertz scramble on here. You said it. Great way to say it, to say that defines him. I think that's spot on, man. Team had to have it, right? Team had to have it, and he went and got it and sacrificed himself to do it. Of course, that wasn't his intent, but hey, got it done. I hate that he got hurt. I hate that he's done for the regular season. I hope we can pull out a win this week and get him back for a bowl game. It sounds like that might be possible um, because I'd love to see him play another game this season. But if not, hopefully he'll come back and he can, you know, play again because as much as I like some of the things that Brown's done, his leadership is irreplaceable in Mertz. I mean, and that play embodied that to your point. Um, Yeah. For Brown, um, I love your call out of that that slant clutch throw, really accurate throw on fourth and four. Also then followed up with a great throw downfield. I mean, outstanding accuracy on that ball to Khalil, the next ball to Khalil. Yes. But the one I'm going to call out is the zone read and the huge game on the next drive, like a 40-yard run or something like that. I don't remember the exact number. But what a great zone read. And, wow, he's got some speed, man. I didn't know he was that fast. Like, Mm -hmm. he really just turn on the jets and and also made a guy miss as well really dynamic in the open field like i love seeing this element as a part of napier's offense now as much as i just called for Mertz to come back because of his leadership and everything else and i mean that napier's offense is different 
with a dual threat quarterback. And I'll get more into that later, but really, really like to see that. And, and it is interesting. It is interesting when we start looking at that and I'll more on that in a minute. So those are, those are my, oh my's, um, from the game. Um, really, again, there were a bunch to choose from. I had rookies in here and I was just like, I don't want to have too many. So I didn't put it in, but there were, there were several, you know, there really were. So some really good stuff. Um, really a, a, a pretty good offensive game, which is what we'll start talking about now. So changing gears here, talk a little chomp, get into this offensive segment here, and we will begin with our stats as always. So we'll talk first Mertz's QBR. Um, I did pull Browns as well, just for reference. I feel like it's kind of uh, a little spotty because it was such a small sample size, but we will look at both. Mertz's was, again, over 100 Again, every game. So we do the, again, the NFL QBR rating goes from 0 to 158.3, and anything over 100 is good. He was 105.85. He has been over 100 every single game this season with the exception of Utah. That is the only one he was under. So when you look at this, Mertz has been consistently solid all year long. We've said it again and again and again. It's not just the eye test. The numbers back it up. Um, interestingly, Brown, despite not having any touchdown passes, had a QBR of 113.33. So not a bad number from Mr. Brax, from Mr. Max, excuse me. What can Brown do for you? Right. So, um, (laughs) uh, interesting as well, when we do our standard evaluation of yards per carry, right? Because we take the sack yardage out. So in this case, we just take all of Mertz's yards out. Now we know he had that run, but that was a scramble, right? We don't look at scramble yardage or try not to. I know some of Brown's yardage may have been, well, was scramble in there, but most of it was designed runs for him. So when you factor that in, our yards per carry was 7.09 in this game. That is by far and away one of the best of the entire season and definitely the best we've had on the road. This team ran the ball exceedingly well against a very decent defense in Mizzou. Their strength of their defense was rush defense, not pass. You know, pass defense was weaker. We talked about this, right? We called for over 300 yards passing. We didn't get that, (laughs) but we, we definitely got the rushing. We got over 200 yards rushing in this game. Well over 200 yards rushing in this game. That was absolutely phenomenal. So some really, really good stuff in the run game here. And we'll talk about why we think that might've been in a little bit here. Um, so overall, definitely more good than bad on the offensive side. Uh, even after the Mertz injury, uh, I still saw good things, right? We talked about it a little already. Some of the throws from Max were really good and some of the running as well. So as much as I've called for an OC this season, and don't get me wrong, I still am. We're not changing our tune here. We're not changing course. I still think Billy should hire an OC in the off season. This game does show that this offense, Napier's offense, with a running quarterback, right? What we saw last year with AR is a very different animal, especially if that running quarterback can be an accurate thrower of the football. That's what we didn't get last year with AR. No offense intended to, to, to Richardson. I love the guy to death. I wish him nothing but the best. Hope he recovers well and goes on to have a phenomenal career because I think his potential is unlimited. We've talked about it. But I am super interested to see if he does not hire an OC, and I'm again, I'm not for that. I don't think that's the best course of action. I think his time is better suited on other things, running this organization, right? Being the CEO, doing the things he needs to do. But having said all of that, if it doesn't happen, I do still think there are some interesting things to be seen once Mr. Lagway comes to town. Because that kid can run, and man... From all appearances, he sure can throw. Over 77% completion now in high school. 
it, this this season over 3,800 yards and mm. 71 passing touchdowns. I saw the stats today. Are you kidding Unreal. me? Unreal. He's approaching the all-time record in Texas held by guess who? Tyler Murray. Yeah, he's okay. He's only six TDs away from the single-season record. He may Holy break sh- it because he's averaging about six TDs a game. So he may break it. <laughs> so going to be very going to be very interesting to see what happens there. Um, very. Let's talk. Let's talk a little about this O line. So we're banged up coming in. No Kingsley. No Barber. Right. Two of our better players, theoretically. No offense intended, but theoretically on the O line. And it showed early, especially in run blocking, right? We didn't run the ball very well in the first half. Bunch of that, most of that rushing yardage came in the second half, right? And then we lose Damian George. And we shuffle the lineup. And I think it may have been the best this unit looked all year. <laughs> Did we finally find a combination that really worked? And most importantly, will we see it again versus FSU? Because, man, that looked so good to me. Those run-blocking holes were right on where they were supposed to be. The gaps were solid. The pass-blocking was better in most instances. We did give up one sack there when they first changed it, but that was actually more on Trevor than it was on an O-lineman. I mean, the O-lineman did miss, but it was more on Trevor to, to help with pass protection. And, I mean, man, it looked really good. And we didn't have any procedure penalties either because Damian George wasn't in there to get a false start. You know, it's amazing. (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't know what gets thrown off when he's in there, at least at tackle. I'm not saying the kid can't play and and that he shouldn't play, but I think he should play guard. I I don't think tackle's the fit for him. I understand we have guys at guard and we don't have guys at tackle, so that's where we're putting him. But, man, I I just think he needs to be a tackle. It it just doesn't make sense. Or, I'm sorry, a guard. It just doesn't make sense to me to see him a tackle. It just just seems wrong. He just doesn't seem quick enough for it. So, I'm interested to see how this works out and if we see Hudson and Waits at tackle again. Because that's what we saw in this game. And I'm really, man, I'm pumped up by it. Like, it was great to see this looked like an O-line that could work and really be, you know, kind of a, a, a high-level unit for once, which has not been the case for most of the season, as we know. So that that was really cool to see and, and something I'm really looking forward to seeing where we go from here and now that we've got some film on it. Um, play calling, actually much better in this game for the most part. The one exception would have been the end of the final drive, our final, our final drive. Um, I did not like that we were willing to settle for the field goal and the one-point lead and subsequently not burn any clock doing it because Mizzou still had their timeouts. Mizzou was going to call those timeouts anyway because they needed to try to freeze the clock. If we had just gotten a first down so that we could have burned more clock, I'd have been fine with running the ball then. But we didn't even try to do that. We just ran it three times into a loaded front, let them stop us, burn no clock, and then kick a field goal. That's on Napier. Bad play calling. I understand you don't want to take a bunch of risks with the backup quarterback in, but run some more of that zone read or something. Be creative. He's a creative guy when it comes to the run play calling, right? That's his That's his bread and butter. And now you've got a quarterback in there that makes you 10 times more dynamic in the run game. Call some of that stuff. Don't just run the ball up the middle with your running backs and into a loaded box. Like, come on. By the way, loaded box, if anybody is not aware of the term, it means you have a plus set on the defensive side of at least at least seven, maybe even eight guys um, in the box that are that are there basically for the purposes of outmanning your offensive line that's trying to block and therefore being able to stop the run more effectively. That's where that term comes from. So I, I just didn't like that at all. 
just was not a fan. And and I think and I think it played obviously into Mizzou's hands and gave them at least the clock opportunity to come back and theoretically do what they did. We can talk about more later why they shouldn't have, but that's another story. Um, my last point for offense is I definitely want to give Max Brown some love. Uh, I know he had the fumble right right after he came in, but he played really solidly overall in a hostile environment with the game on the line. Right? I mean, got got what I think. 10 points right back for us. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do this week because he does bring a dynamic. I mean, if he can be even close to as accurate as he was throwing the ball in this game, FSU's going to have their hands full, man. And there's very little tape on him, right? So the film prep is not going to be easy. They're going to have to be like, well, what is, what is Napier going to do? Because it opens up a whole nother side to his playbook. They're going to have to go back and watch AR from last year to try to figure out what plays we might run in the run game because it opens up so much other stuff. And that opens up other things in the passing game. And again, as much as I love Mertz, and I'm not calling for him not to be the starter next year if he comes back, no way, no chance. But at the end of the day, I really, really, really like some of the options that gets op- that get opened up in Napier's offense when we have a dual threat quarterback, it, it it really does change things. And I think change them for the better in this particular offense. So really interested to see what that looks like this week. I hope we really take advantage of it. And yeah, I, I, I really like some of the possibilities that, that are opened up by this. It's exciting, honestly. So we'll see what happens, but that's my thought on offense. I will flip it over to you, sir. And uh, tell me what you think. What'd you see? What'd you like? What'd you not like? Awesome, B. Loved it. Love it. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to start with uh, explosive plays. I've talked about explosive plays before. Let me just give you all a rundown of explosive plays. Uh, eight explosive plays, 20-plus yards. Five for 30-plus wow. yards. Wow. Two for 10-plus yards. A lot of explosive plays. Wow. <laughs> a lot. Right? I tell you what, when you look at it, and I'm going to piggyback kind of on what you said. If I know this is not like mathematics, you have an if and only if statement. But if this Napier offense can do the 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 glimpses that we've seen um, and we do it on a more consistent basis, we do it on a more disciplined basis. We do it on a. With it, with with the right talent level, with the execution. Billy just could be, and I don't, I don't, I'm not saying Billy can laugh at other people's faces, but Billy would just be with that guy just going, uh huh. He won't even say, I told you so. It's got the potential, right? He wouldn't, ha- he wouldn't have to if, if, if it came together that way. Right? Not at all. Not at all. So I tell you what, the explosive plays were huge. So, so to see that happen the way they happened, I think was phenomenal. Because the other thing that, is really good about explosive plays is that it creates a lot of momentum, creates a lot of yeah. hype, right? So, so yep. big, big, big difference. Um, the other thing I'm going to talk about is the lack of urgency going into the half. Now, the half was tough because it seemed like, okay, play clock, play call, going into the half. We're just content with running the football or a screen pass, just getting out of the half. Um, and living to fight the other down coming out of the third quarter. But over the past couple games, we've seen him be a little bit more aggressive going into halftime. So I'm thinking, okay, 
we've got about, you know, I know it's under two minutes, but we got a minute 40, whatever the number on that basis. I'm thinking, okay, great. We can, we can try and do some things with a minute 40, minute 30. Um, but it just seemed like we couldn't get it done. Um, when you look at the play calling and what happened, uh, again, the swing pass, I, I tell you what, there was a swing pass to Trey that he could have gotten loose, but Pearsall misses a block. And the yep. next thing you know, Trey gets tackled for a loss. Yep, which is yeah. which is unlike Ricky to do that, but you're right. It's extremely – I'll tell you what, two, two oddities in this game, actually three oddities. Unlike Ricky to miss that, unlike Trevor – to whiff on a block. Yeah. Okay. That caused the sack on Brown. Mm-hmm. And the third one that was in, that's going to be my visor throw, but I'll just go ahead and say it now was Etienne going out of bounds and giving Mizzou a timeout on yeah. that last drive. Yeah. You know? That was not a, not a heady play. I do think that play got a little messed up too because of the, you know, the handoff and where it was supposed oh, to sure. go versus and all that. But that still doesn't excuse him going out of bounds. I agree. You're not wrong, right? If if he had his wits about him, instead of going out of bounds, he just he just slides, he kneels, he 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 stays in bounds, right? So, yep. anyways, that was the frustrating part there. Um, you know what? O line, you said yeah. it. I'll echo it. Looked very very different coming out after George goes down. And this is no disrespect on George. He's a he's a big man. He's a very large man. 6'6", 6'5", 6'6", 300 plus, 330, 340, whatever the number. I can't count that high. <laughs> large man. Takes up a lot of space. Not, not as much as Dez, but takes up a lot of space. He's had great games. And then in the other games, it's almost as if he's forgotten how to play and he's back in peewee. Yeah. And whoops. You know, and and so bless his heart. I, you know, it might be. I mean, that that might be the key, right? No tackle, move him to guard, and 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 call it a day. Use his body there. But man, when he went down, it was interesting to see no procedural penalties. Yeah. At all. And Lindell Hudson came in and just, you know, yeah, we had an early penalty. I get that, but. After he came in, but I tell you what, sealed the edge was really good. So when you look at what UF did, 239 passing yards, 261 rushing yards. Wow. Wow. 261 rushing yards. Let's, it's like on the road. On the road. When was the last time we had over 200? Been a minute. Crickets. (laughs) Right? Five games ago. Five games ago, 500 total yards of offense. Mizzou just beat us out by, by eight yards. They had 508. We beat them in first downs, 23 to 21. 23 to 21, right? Unbelievable. Nice. The interception by Mertz, I tell you what, another tip ball. It was not a clean interception. Another tip. No, maybe was it was, a, was a high pass. was a high pass, was but high. he was trying to get it over to the defender. I mean, Arliss, you know, again – Two tips now off our list for picks, and, yeah. and I think I think both were – I don't know if this one was as catchable, but he didn't have to tip it the way he did. Like, I think he could have jumped a little better and at least, you know, gotten more of a hand on that ball. But whatever, it is what it is. Maybe so, right? Maybe Yeah, per- perfect point, right? So that was frustrating. The two turnovers – I tell you what, man. Some Go back – go back. This has a feeling. This has a feeling of the Utah game. Utah did not beat us. We lost that game. 
I don't Missouri oh, yeah. really Missouri did not beat yeah, no. they beat us with that last kick, but they didn't beat us. No. We squandered some opportunities because we had Definitely. two turnovers between the Definitely. fumble and, and the pick. And again, squandered just like with LSU. I mean, not as significant, obviously, because of their potency on offense, but squandered yeah. some drives in the first half that that had potential. I mean, again, better defense. So theoretically, you know, could have been some credit to them, but but just you know, uh, well, we'll get to it in visor throw, but we threw away some opportunities in the first half for sure. We did. So outside of that, the offense, and, and here's the other thing too. This is an interesting thing because you're like, hey, I'm on the road. Guess what? We're going to take the ball first, right? No, we'll defer. We'll defer. Let's see what they have to offer, right? And then from there, you just go back and say, huh, this is an interesting strategy. So he is playing chess, not checkers. Yeah, that one. this one didn't bother me near as much as the LSU one did. <laughs> sure, sure. I get it. But just really interesting to see some of those pieces come together on offense. It's really neat to see the confidence of these guys running more north-south, north versus east-west. Um, it's really interesting to me to see what Max does now being inserted into the lineup. Max got legs, right? Um, and here's the thing. Yeah, here's the thing about Max, right? Oklahoma District 3A MVP as a senior accounted for four over 4,000 yards and 64 touchdowns, led Tulsa Lincoln Christian to 13-1 record and Oklahoma 3A state runner-up finish. That's what we're working with. I'll tell and you, man. Yeah, that's great. And he was, he was, he impressed me, man. He really did. He showed me some stuff I didn't think he had. Bingo. So outside of that, offense is humming. Offense is buzzing. I mean, I mean, let's. I mean, I know it. It, it seems like, again, the end result is not good. But 500 yards of offense again, 30 plus points again. Offense is doing something. Absolutely. Again, against a much better defense than the one we faced the week before and again much. on the road. So, I mean, th those stats mean a lot more this week than they did last week. I can I concur. And so that, that's why I think this team is getting more battle scars, battle tested and, and all these scars that are going to get scabbed over and calloused over. It's going to be a good thing for this young squad going into next season. Absolutely. And speaking of battle scars and calluses, let's talk Gator bait in the defense. Hey, <laughs> All right. Get it. Get us started, bud. <laughs> talk to me about this, uh, this beleaguered unit that we're dealing with here. Man, I. Boy, um, I know, I know it's hard. It is hard because, I t but on this, in this particular game, I saw some unique things. Let me explain. Missouri's first possession, third and goal, great stop to force a field goal in the red zone. Now, true, Missouri went five of five in the red zone. However, when you look at what we did from a field goal perspective to force them to kick the ball, mm -hmm. love that. Love, love that. It. Um, Mizzou's third possession, third possession, okay? It's about second and nine, and Kimber just sits and watches Cook watches cook and you know what he didn't even have to go and try and sack him he just stayed in front of him and got in his face maybe three to five yards away forced him to throw the ball away forced a fourth and nine forced a punt i'll tell you what sometimes you wonder because our tackling has been kind of shady as it was in this game with a couple different things that we'll call out but having that been said 
I really enjoyed that play. I really like what Kimber did and his discipline there because Brady Cook's been proven to uh, he can take off. He's got some legs. Yeah, um, and that's a that's a great call out because when you look at what Jaden Daniels obviously did to us last week, we had another mobile quarterback here. Now that's obviously not Jaden Daniels back there, but this is a mobile quarterback to yeah, your yeah, point yeah. who is very capable of scrambling, and we held him completely in check. I mean, he basically didn't beat us with his feet at all. No. Not so, at all. Really good call out there. Not at all, because e- even Hypo last week's like, who is this guy? What? Yeah. Um, Michael got a big shocker, right? So yeah. that is what it is. Um, Mizzou's fourth possession, uh, the linebackers turned the wrong way, and that's what led to Schrader's big touchdown, that big run. Yep. Real simple. Yep. Bad discipline, bad eye discipline, turned the wrong way. Yep. And, and again, it's just one of those things where – they these these guys have to treat the offensive players like toddlers. You turn your head for more than a quarter of a second, they're gone. <laughs> they're gone. Don't lose your toddler, okay, and have DCF yep. called on you. Um, <laughs> uh, missed <laughs> tackles. I'm not sure what the total number was. I couldn't find the number. I myself counted nine. So nine's not bad. It's it, it you know it's it's under double digits. But that's just me counting, I, and it's more subjective, I know, with, with different plays. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if it got to 10, 11, maybe 12. So that was the tough part. And, and more specifically, I'll say is, you know, the the tough thing to see some of these runs happen, especially when you had the massive, massive Gain by Weiss. Okay, the 77 yeah. yarder after the fumble. Yeah. You had yeah. Jordan Castell right there, right there. Yeah. But just yeah. what do you do? What do you do? Came off. He came off a of coverage to go after the quarterback. And and I know he's in the middle of that. But guess what? You leave the quarterback alone. You get that man because right behind you, there's yep. nothing but daylight. Nothing but oh, daylight. Wait, I apologize. There was Wingo and there was Mitchell, but uh, for whatever reason, Weiss apparently has like four four speed, and he was gone. He he yeah, he gone. them too. So that was for, so you take away Weiss's seventy seven yard run, you take away Schrader's big run, which by the way held Schrader in check for the most, especially in the second half. He was almost second half. Yep, agreed. Non-existent, right? So again, really good, really good. Right. Here's the thing. Cook. Cook had a run right to the seven yard line back third quarter that forced a fourth and goal. Great stop. Great discipline. They had to chip a field goal in another field goal in the red zone. Three field goals in the red zone for Missouri. That was great. We'll we'll, we'll take that stop all day long. Yeah. Right. Another another instance. Right. With about six minutes left to go in the fourth. Princely chasing down Cook. Forcing yep. a tackle for a loss in a fourth and 11. Again, we've got these little flashes of bam, 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 but we just can't put it all together. together. Because on fourth and 17, we give up a massive play that led to our downfall. Yep. Right? In coverage, in zone coverage, it's just – you have three defenders around one offensive, uh, one receiver, and he just jumps up and just says, oh, hey, look, the ball. No one's coming around me. I'll, I think I'll just go up and grab this, get a first down, put my team in good position. Frustrating as all hell. But anyways, that's my review of Gator Bait. Saw some great things. Saw some questionable things. 
overall great things. I would just love to see where the defense has a signature game, a signature win to seal it all together and bring everything. And again, I know defensive line banged up, secondary banged up, backers banged up, three guys. I mean, that's the other thing too. I mean, look at, check it out. You had, you know, obviously Shamar's gone for the season, kneecap surgery, fine. Devin Moore, out. Scooby yep. had the flu, limited, right? So it, it's... And he, it, did, he didn't even play. They called him limited, but he didn't play a snap. He, he didn't. He didn't. So you got a lot of young guys in there. I get it. And I saw some really, really good things. Very Again, battle scars, being battle-tested. Hopefully that yields good things in the future. But boy, we let this one slip away, B. We I know. I know. It's it it's it's a really so really great take. I love your overall take. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's 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 more or less the same that I have. I, I think it's a consistency issue, and a lot of that comes from the youth and the, you know, just just we we make a mistake and we always seem to get punished. You know, that's the thing. Very few defenses out there don't make mistakes. Right. It's it's a question of what happens when you do. Now, in fairness, there are certain mistakes that we are making that maybe are more glaring or more punishable. Right. At times, there are certain mistakes that we're making that you just shouldn't make. Now, I'll give you that. Right. That that's like like the fourth and 17 for a prime example. I'll get to that later. I'm I'm I've got that in visor throw, not in this section of the review, but um, but uh, but that's a mistake you just can't make, right? The way that the way that we messed that one up. However, the point being is, is that if you take away 10 plays in this game from the defense and, and where they made mistakes, we win huge. You know what I mean? And, and I get I get that there are games that, you know, you could maybe say that about a lot of games and whatever else, but like not against LSU, you couldn't. You could take 10 plays away in that game, we still lose. 100%. 100%. So that's the difference, right? Is is that the the mistakes that we're making, they're not all the time. They're not every play. They're not every down. Not even close. It's just when we are making them, boom, 41-yard touchdown. Boom, 73-yard touchdown. It, it's just like, man, you just can't slip up. Or it's like maximum punishment, and it's it's really tough to see that because you uh, again it's it doesn't make it okay to make the mistakes. I'm not saying that, but again, you have to expect some of that from a younger, more inexperienced, banged up, as you said, it unit. So love that point. I think it's really solid because there were good things here again, and it's something that I'm we're gonna keep saying. I think until we you know don't see them. So. Um, let me back up and, and get to the stats here. Interesting stat here because I wouldn't have thought this. I mean, I, I mentioned before that I didn't think Cook was that great of a thrower. Um, he had a much better second half, granted, um, because of some of the things that we gave up. So his overall rating was over 100, but barely 101.47. Nothing spectacular and much better than the past few ratings we've given up um, in, in our past past few opponents that we've had. Um, Georgia, South Carolina, and of course, LSU, were all much, much higher numbers at, at in QBR rating than what we're seeing from this game. So that's a real improvement, actually, despite, you know, the result and despite that last drive. Interesting as well, yards per carry um, was still a little on the high side. 
when you even when you take out Cook's yardage, so take out again the sacks, right? I know he had a couple scrambles, but he really didn't have, I think, more than like one design run. Um, so six point six four yards per carry. Still not as good as our yards per carry and not a great number, certainly, but also nothing devastating. And if you take away the two big runs that Schrader had, right, the two big ones, one for the touchdown and the other big one he had, I can't remember if it was late first. I think it was late first half. That number goes way down. I mean, way, way, way down if you take away those two big runs. So, again, it's two plays. It's two plays, and the rest of the time we played him solid, solid, solid. Really good defense. Huge credit to Mitchell and Wingo at linebacker. They were all over this run game all night long. Again, messed it up twice. Otherwise, they were really, really solid. Really solid. So, again, continues to be a consistency issue, as I said. I really thought the defense, especially being very undermanned, right, even more undermanned than we were last week, played really well at times, right? But they obviously had times where they didn't, as we've discussed. So run defense, I already mentioned it, overall was actually pretty decent. Just had a few misses. And of course, Mizzou took advantage, right? Like we just said. But overall, the yards per carry when they didn't get gashed was really good. I don't have stats for that. I wish I had that, like an advanced stat of when they didn't get an explosive, what was their yard per carry? Right. If you can take out explosives, what was their yard per carry? Because I bet you it was under three yards. That would be my educated guess. We held them really in check. This was not Ray Davis in Kentucky, right, where they're just gashing, gashing, gashing 10, 20 yard runs over and over and over again. Right. And then, of course, you know, a couple huge ones on top of it. But we didn't have that this game. That was not what was going on. We were mostly stopping them. So that was really good to see. Second half pass coverage. I already mentioned it. Probably the biggest disappointment to me. We held in, in check pretty well. Even Luther Burton in the first half, man, we we did a pretty good job of containment. Really pretty good coverage. Yeah. Second half, that was not the case. Um, linebackers, again, in pass coverage. Now, it's Wingo and Mitchell, as I already mentioned. These guys are not good pass coverage. It's not their strength, right? They should have been better against the run. And again, they were, so credit to them there. But they were just not good in pass coverage if they were even in pass coverage, right? It's it's Scooby last week all over again. Just wait, I'm covering somebody, you know, and and then it's all over. But the safeties also struggled in the second half. Um, I mentioned Castell. I've got that called out later. Um, but Mitchell was, was very weak at times. You know, those tight ends getting wide open, you know, that wide open touchdown to the tight end. Now, that was a linebacker on that one that got called back, you know, luckily for us. But, you know, it it really wasn't, it really just was not good, especially in the second half. Um, I also liked Wingo a lot in the pass rush to flip back to a positive. Um, I feel like he's done a really good job at filling James's shoes as best he can, right? As best he can. He's not going to be able to play pass coverage like James. We already mentioned that. But as far as, you know, being a good run fit and, and then really his maximum strength to me is his blitzing. His blitzing is off the hook, man. He he can he can get to the quarterback. He has an he has a knack for it. So I really like seeing Derek do that. Um strong play out of him and really actually thought he had a very solid game. I think he led us in tackles too, if I remember correctly. Um overall, nothing's really changed with my feelings towards the defense. Of course, I wish we could do more or better, right, in certain circumstances, but we're still so young, we're still so injury depleted, I'm saying it again, it's just a very tall task, it's hard. 
I did see signs that we are developing certain players in this game. Again, I would say that might have been the best I've seen Wingo play. And I know bigger sample size, but I don't care. I still saw him put things on film that I haven't seen him do before. I also thought Bryce Thornton had a pretty solid game, um, probably better than I've seen from him before. Um, so that was really good to see as well. So th- there are there is player development going on that I'm liking what I'm seeing. So that would that was really encouraging. I, I mean, again, was it the result you wanted? Do you want to give up 500 yards, 31 points? Of course not. Of course not. But at the end of the day, I think that there are still a lot of positives we can take out of this. So that that's really the end message. So let's move it on. Let's talk about visor throw. I've only got three, but they're they're driving me nuts. <laughs> um, pre-snap penalties. Oh man, I know they got better or or really stopped altogether as we talked about after George left. But man, before George left, did we shoot ourselves in the foot? Holy crap, we had a bunch in the beginning of that game. Uh, and man, did they kill us? We wasted. And it wasn't all just pre-snap, right? We had a couple of holds. We had um, the illegal. We had the false start on Burke, actually, in the first half, right? That was a receiver, not even the O-line. I mean, we were just shooting ourselves in the foot and just backing up play after play. We had a delay of game, which, for the record, that play clock situation that caused that delay of game was very weird to me. I, I don't understand how that one happened, but I'll I'll let that go. Um, just too many pre-snap penalties and too many penalties in general, right, that that really that really hurt us. Now, I, I really do think that, you know, it did get better and it did get cleaned up a lot more in the second half, which was good to see. But you can't you can't do that on the road. We've talked about it, right? You cannot shoot yourself in the foot on the road and expect to win the game. You just can't do it, especially not against a top 10 opponent, period. It's not going to happen. So, Again, that stuff continues to make me nuts. I know the the yardage wasn't too severe, but I think it was nine penalties, I believe is what I saw. I'm going from memory here, so apologies if that's incorrect. But at the end of the day, like, that's just not, that's not okay. Like, that's not going to get it done. And we've just got to be cleaner. We've got to be better. That's what it comes down to. My second point is one that you've brought up several times as far as, missed tackles and things of that nature go, but I'm just going to talk about tackling fundamentals. So I read an article preseason about AA and how he was doing tackling drills in kind of an unorthodox manner because you couldn't, you can't hit guys in, in preseason except for like two weeks or something, right? You got like two weeks of pads practice where you can hit and that's it. So, and this is for all of college football. It's not just us, obviously. As a result of this tackling in general in college football has really declined in its technical nature, right? It's not as it's not as clean, not as fundamentally solid as it used to be. So he's playing around with this thing and I don't, I don't remember if they were tackling tires or or what they were doing, but he's doing he's doing drills with guys to try to help them be better at their tackling fundamentals. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say he needs some different drills because our tackling fundamentals are not great at all. I'm not going to say I've never seen worse. That that's it's not that bad. But man, there's some times where I'm just like, what is that? We had a guy, he was draped all over Luther Burden. And Luther Burden just like chucked him off 
like he was a gnat and just kept running down the field. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand Luther Burden, first-round NFL talent, specimen, athlete. I get it. However, if you're draped literally on top of a guy and you're a Division I college football athlete, you should be able to bring him down. That just shouldn't happen. That's just one example. And there were many, as you're well aware. Now, I will say, Castell did make a heck of a tackle. And this is on a guy who has not made many heck of a tackles this year, right? <laughs> he's gotten trucked a lot more than he's done in trucking. He did make a heck of an open field tackle on that last drive against Burden. Um, mm-hmm. That was very impressive to me. So it's not all bad. But overall, our tackling fundamentals, they just, they just got to get better. That's what it comes down to. So that's all I got to say on that one. Last but not least, fourth and 17. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And of course, it was a linebacker that missed their coverage assignment in the zone. You had Jaden Hill, you had Jason Marshall up there, but it was a linebacker who dropped the ball. Now, I'm actually not going to put the blame solely on the linebacker, and I'm not, I'm not sure which one it was. But shame on AA for calling a scheme that called for a linebacker to have coverage that deep. Because he should know better than to assign that to a linebacker in this particular setup of defenders. This is where you've got to know your personnel, right? Your personnel, this is not their strength. Do not call on them to do that. Find another play call because they can't be relied upon for that in a, in a critical game-winning situation. We can't put that on them. They clearly have dropped the ball far too many times to be reliant and I understand you don't know the ball's going there, but but don't even put them. They should not be guarding the down and distance at fourth and 17. You know what I mean? Like that, they should not be involved in a pass defensive scheme at that distance. You want them on an underneath route? Fine. That's fine. I'm not going to complain about that. But not at the sticks. Not on fourth and 17. I don't want to see it. Again, period. It was not okay. And I'm really just, I'm sick about it. I'm sure, I'm sure... I'm not alone. I'm sure the rest of Gator Nation is right with me. That one really hurt. That one really hurt. That should have been a ball game. Should have been taking knees. And instead, of course, we go home with the L. Uh, it's tough to take, man. It's tough to take. But um, but I, I got to put a little of the blame on AA for that one. I, I don't know if that was him doing his, you know, more aggressive thing or what. But for me, you just can't, you can't make that call knowing that your linebackers are as suspect in coverage as they were. So that's what I got for visor throw. Where are you at? Where are your beefs? Talk to me. Yeah, man, you're not wrong. Great takes, great takes. For the record, you're correct. Nine penalties. Thank you. It was nine penalties for 48 yards. So the yardage wasn't that bad. No, it nine, wasn't. No, but nine penalties is definitely yeah, our most in, in the past four games, for yep. sure. Especially when you look at the majority of those penalties, false start, Yep. false start. Delay of game, mm-hmm. false start, several false starts, right? You have Leonard, George, Leonard, Slaughter, George. There yep. you go. And of course, we know we have we have the delay of game. We have uh, two holding calls, so that was what it was. Agreed. Um, you know what? Great call on the, on, on the uh, tackling. I, I remember you saying that about AA. I remember seeing the article. I'm like thinking, okay, this is fantastic. But then why in Sam Hill are we missing so yeah. many tackles, right? So 
my visor is going to be pretty dirty just as yours, right? After the fumble by Brown, Mizzou's Weiss goes for 77 yards, end around, gone. Gone. It's gone. No one else in sight. Castell just caught in between quarterback and receiver, and he's like, you know what? Let me just be, let me just stay closer to the quarterback. No. Well, he came he came off the receiver. He was on the receiver. Cook looked at the receiver, saw he was yep. covered, looked away. Then Castell comes in and goes, oh, now my guy's open. Like, oh, I watched it happen. Oh, it was brutal. Yeah. Very, very agreed. Um, with 444 to go, again, I we, we've said this word probably a lot this season, but conservative. I get it. You may get a couple of first downs. You get that clock down to six seconds or five seconds or three seconds. You kick a field goal from 22 yards. Guess what? Or you can just go down there and score. Either yeah. way, it got to the point where we got bunched. We got way too conservative. Yep. And the other thing that, that was really bad about the way that that unfolded, and, and this is what's tough, is because – Trevor, and again, I hate to call him out like this, all he needs to do is stay in bounds, take a knee, slide, do whatever. That's going to melt more time off the clock and force that timeout. So that is what it is. Pre-snap penalties, you already said it. I'm not going to mention it again. That is what it is. Nine penalties are most in four games. Unbelievable. Fourth and 17. And, and, and you know what? It's not just it since it was a zone. Yeah, three defenders around the wide receiver in the zone. But great, great, great mention of the fact that you have some linebackers in coverage where it's like, know your personnel, understand strengths and weaknesses. Yep. Another tough game, right? 500 yards, 60 plus, 62 plays, 30 over 30 points. You're thinking that's good enough for a win. Over 30 Three minutes time of possession. We're still, for whatever reason, the top 10 in the nation, action number eight in time of possession. And we're doing some great things with it. But again, it, it just have not been able to put together the entire symphony to close out a game since South Carolina. And, uh, and it shows and it stinks. And you're right there. And, and like I said, this, this game, and um, you may have said it earlier, but a lot of reminiscent of the Utah game as far as the lost opportunities. This was obviously much closer towards the end. But anyways, that's what I got for my visor throw, my man. Yeah, man, I hear you. Tough one, really tough one, and uh, uh, it, it, it hurts. Um, and I think it hurts more because, of course, the bowl eligibility piece. Um, now, that'll all, that'll all fade right away if we get a win this week. Right. And, and I do, I do like our chances so much better. Um, you know, knowing the, the, the situation, obviously both our quarterbacks got hurt. No, you know, no, no disrespect at all to, to either one, of course, certainly not Mertz, but, but Jordan Travis either, obviously much more brutal injury to him did not like seeing that happen. Um, you know, you never, you never want something like that to go on, of course. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I of course have to feel better about our chances uh, against, you know, not the starter, not Jordan Travis, the Heisman, you know, potential con- candidate, um, you know, th- than I do, you know, without him. So 
definitely will will make the sting of this a lot less if we can, you know, get the get the win um, this week. So we'll see what happens. All right. Moving on. Moving on. Let's talk a little uh, talk a little recruiting hatchlings. Um, So only piece of news we have is, unfortunately, after the two we mentioned last week, we did have another flip. Um, We we did bring it up. Um, We talked about being nervous about losing to Sear Johnson. Um, And we did lose him to Georgia. Um, four-star defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman. Interesting what Napier said after these flips, though. He came he came on a press conference and he kind of said, look, either you're all in or maybe this isn't the place for you. Yep. And I, there can be a side of that where that gets taken wrong and it's kind of like, hey, man, what, what are you saying? Like, you know, if, I, if I'm not if I'm not all in with you 100 percent that like I can get out of town like, you know, that could get taken in a in a wrong way. But I also like that he's he's saying, like, look, if you're not fully bought in, then then I don't I don't need you to come here. It's fine. Like, don't worry about it. You're, we're good. You know, and and that can come off a little too cocky, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And that is what concerns me a little about it. But then at the same time, it can come off like. If you don't get what we're doing fully, right, you don't get this culture, right, that we've talked about so many times and we'll continue to talk about. And you don't get that what we're what we see as as the future here and what we're building, then it's OK. You know, Florida may not be the place for you. And that's all right. And right. I, I just I found it I found it very interesting that he said that the good news I have to report. And I don't know if you saw this one or not is that a Darius Hayes, who is the linebacker that I actually wanted the most, even more than Miles Graham, even though he's slightly lower rated than Miles Graham, and I think Miles Graham's going to be great too, but a Darius Hayes has shut his recruitment down. He will be a Gator, barring something really weird. And that is phenomenal news, because now we are going to get Miles Graham. That one's already been shut down. We're going to get a Darius Hayes, and we are most likely going to get Aaron Childs, from all indication. There's not been any talk about him flipping. That is three linebackers in the top 100. That has not been done at Florida since Urban Meyer. And really, even then, it hasn't been done to the level that it is happening with this particular class. So you know how we have some trouble at linebacker? Guess what? It's going to get fixed. Whoa, buddy. This class for linebacker is off the charts. Best of the nation, hands down. It is absolutely phenomenal. I am so excited for it. That news was just absolutely the best news I got this week as far as this team is concerned. So really, really, really great stuff. Um, that's all I got for recruiting. You got anything to add there? No, you're solid, B. Um, I was actually going to call it the quote by Billy. Um, I know how some people could think it can be taken, but because of Billy's demeanor, because of all the other things that he's done, I just took it to me and, hey, if you don't want to be a part of it, if, you, if you're on the fence, if you're this, if you're wishy-washy, no problem. No problem. This is just not the place for you because once you are, I mean, you know, call him an extremist. Once you're in, you're all the way in. You know, there is no wishy-washy about it. So I actually dug the quote. I loved it. I think it sends a good, firm message out there with all these players that might be on the fence or might be looking at what does my NIL look like here? What does my playing time look like here? What's my exposure here? What's my opportunity here? What's what is the what is, you know, all these other things that now come with making a decision, you know, and 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 again, one of the last things on there is academically, right? Because you know, as as uh, I was talking to a, a gator baseball player earlier this year, I said, Hey, just curious, what's uh What's your major? And he said, baseball. And I said, well, 
No, I know. I, I know you're playing baseball, but but what, what do you hear studying? He said baseball. <laughs> and so, end quote, right? That's it. Yep. But um, so anyways, we know we have a top five. We Number one, public university. There's a lot that comes with that. There's a lot that, that Billy's doing within Gator made to, to, to round out these young men. So that's great. The other thing is, um, yes, did see the news on Adarius Hayes. So that's great. He shut that down. That's a lock. I should, barring anything really strange, Hopefully no more full moons. Halloween's out, so that's good. Outside of that, <laughs> you probably saw that uh, our, our our good buddy LJ um, rose in the ranks now, top three, number three overall. Yes, so I did see that. Yeah, his stock just continues to go up and up and up. Uh, his squad is 11 and one. He's got almost 60 tackles this year, 40 solo, 29 tackles for loss, nine sacks, two forced fumbles, two pass deflections, an interception, a fumble recovery, and a partridge in a pear tree. Absolutely balling. So love that. Yeah. Yeah, he's ridiculous, man. Um, and he, I know he went to Miami this weekend, but nothing there that that really scared me from that. Um, nope. He was at FSU the weekend before. I, nothing that nothing that really scares me. I think he's just taking some visits to take some visits. Um, n- nothing, n- no talk that you know of anybody that's really saying that it's going to sway him. So I, I think we're still pretty solid there. And man, oh, 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 it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Very. All right, cool. Um, is that all you had for recruiting? I don't want to cut you short. Sir, sure, yes, sir. I'll wrap it. All right, cool. Uh, let's move it on, talk a little pride of the sunshine, let you get that started, and we'll uh, go from there. Deal, 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 deal. Um, I still enjoy seeing Austin Armstrong act like a lunatic. Um, <laughs> I'll just start her off like that. Um, you know, th- there, there was one possession that, uh, that Missouri had, and uh, – Mitchell forced a great pass breakup, right? It was third and eight, forcing a fourth and eight on Mizzou's second possession in the first quarter. And, you know, they're all coming to the sideline. The punt crew is coming out there. And holy smokes, if AA is not jumping on the back of Miguel Mitchell as if to say, hold me, and just slapping him on the head, acting like a wild man. I get he's 31 years old. He still has a lot of energy. That's good. That's good. Um, so dig that for AA. Again, we can question the schemes and all the other things going on. But one thing that one thing that has remained true for me, seeing what's happened, seeing the four-game skid, seeing all these other things happen, AA is just as fired up as he was game one. Yeah, man. Yeah. Right? Same yep. dude, locked in, good to go. So – AA, keep doing what you're doing. Drink that juice. Do the thing. Coach the guys up. Different tackling drills. Okay. Second thing. Ricky Pearsall. Slick Rick. Uh, You might have heard this. You might have read this. He held a team meeting coming back from LSU. You heard about this, B? I, I heard a little about it, but not any details. Really, really good. Player only meeting. Ricky's in there talking, talking to the guys, coaching them up, telling them to hold their heads high. Say, hey, we're together. We play as one. We win as one. We lose as one. Create some great, great, great conversation and momentum coming into 
this game. Again, not the result we wanted, but if you look at how we've started off the past two road games, much different. And again, they weren't noon games. Ha ha. But really <laughs> yeah. proud of Ricky. You know, really, really proud of Ricky to see him take matters into his own hand and kind of organize that meeting on Monday after LC. So that was really good. Third point, pride. Mertz. Yeah, buddy. Mertz. I mean, there's, 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 I hate to say it. He broke like a graham cracker, right? Slight fracture. <laughs> but I tell you what, man, that, like I said, I mentioned earlier, I'll say it again. That just embodies him and his journey from the, the, the 37 starts he had at Wisconsin to coming here, all the criticism, all the fuss, not going to do well. Okay, great. Yeah. Big 10 guy coming out of the SEC, you name it. That play just embodied him, and I'm glad it's just a slight fracture. I'm glad it's a clavicle. He's a young guy. It's going to heal soon, um, and it's going to be a really, really interesting to see what happens in the fall of 24 when he's here, Lagway's here, and and depending if not Brown's here, because uh, for people who don't know, Brown's still a two-sport athlete. Yep. So there's that. Yep. Moving on to point number four in the prize side shine. Max Brown. Yeah. Max Brown. Yeah, he had the fumble. I get it. But guess after that, locked in. And the one and the other thing that I'll say to that was every time he went to the sideline, and, and I love this about Graham. Yes, he went in. Yes, he had x-rays, but he came right back out. He said, I don't care. Coming back out. And he was in Brown's ear the whole time. The whole yeah, time. Man. Don't forget about this. Chirp, talking him up, talking him up, talking him up. So I would have to think that Max came in. I get it. I get he was nervous that first drive. Sure, take it over. But I would have to think that being around Graham, taking the second rep snaps right behind Graham, some of Graham had to have rubbed off on him over these past few months. Had to have. You'd think so. so yeah. So I enjoy what Max Brown did. I enjoyed his poise, especially after the fumble. That was huge to come back after the fumble because typically, what are we thinking, Gator Nation? Fumble happens, up, oh, forget it, game, goodbye, good night, drive home safely. No, <laughs> there was still some fight left. Absolutely yeah. some fight left. And he showed it. So his perseverance, absolutely loved. And B, to go back to what you had mentioned before, it just seems like I get it. We've been out of some games earlier than we would have liked. But at the end of the day, there's still a lot of fight towards the end. There's still a lot of fight. There's still a lot of toughness. There's still a lot of grit. And that's what I think Mertz to Brown embodied, especially after some of the miscues, they still continue to fight and do the best they could. And that was one thing that I think gives a lot. Again, I know people we keep saying next year, next year, next year. But boy. Boy, if these are some of the pieces that we have, if this is some of the character that we have, I have to think and I have to believe that the future is bright just by the eye test and some of the numbers that we've seen on the field. That's it, B. I would agree. And I'm sure some people are are very tired of thinking about next year and, and, and years beyond and everything else. And I get it. I get it. We're, t- we're all tired of waiting. We're all tired of waiting. But I, I really do think that there's merit to this. I, I wouldn't say it if I didn't. 
um, I, I would be throwing in the towel and be just as done as a lot of people are if I didn't think that there was something to this. Um, so I'm, I'm with you. Uh, unbelievable fight in this game. You just got drugged. School record number of yards put up on you in an uncompetitive game. Uh, competitive for a little bit, but uncompetitive yeah, yeah. at the end against LSU. And you come out and just play your heart out against Mizzou. If that doesn't show the culture and the character, good word there by you, by the way, of this team, I don't know what does. From the first snap to the last whistle, period. They were just bringing it all the entire game. And that continues to be the theme with this team under Napier. Again, in, in, in all the games that I've seen. And I, and I love that. I absolutely love it. And I think we will continue to see it. And I bet we'll see it again. Going forward this week. You got something, Randy? You know what? I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it audible real quick. I don't know if you noticed this or not. But at the end of the game, obviously, uh, pandemonium on the field. They put back one second. I get it. Yada, yada. But I don't know if you noticed, there was particular footage that was shown on one player with his head uh, in his hands on the bench. You know who that was? Um, I, I did hear somebody was, was crying on the bench because he was so upset by the loss. Yeah. Jason Marshall. The third. Hmm. And what did I mention about Jason earlier on this season? That we didn't see enough fighter passion out of him. We didn't, right? I mean, in Jason, this game, you probably remember me. He took up a, a kickoff return. Yeah. So he's one of our return men now. So it's interesting to see him in that capacity. But to see the look on his face when the, when the camera zoomed in, got pretty close. And I saw the look on his face. I said, oh, boy. OK. OK. So I just had to call that out because I was in my notes and I, and I glanced over it. So I just wanted to to plug that in real quick under pride because I felt that meant that that showed a lot, especially when we thought from a demeanor standpoint, from an attitude standpoint, he had, he appeared checked out. So I had to revert on that. Yeah, he's he's really bounced back. He was good again this game. That's that's I think two and a half games now in a row where he's just the second since the second half of Arkansas. Man, he's really stepped it up. He's yep. really stepped it up and been solid consistently. Um, yeah, so uh, good good stuff. Um, and then the only other point I have here is you said it. Mertz is a leader of leaders, man. I mean that that guy should probably run for office someday. Um, to put out that kind of effort to make that play, break his collarbone, and then, to your point, come right back out on the field, right? Right back out on the sideline with the team in Max's ear, working with the, you know, the 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 offensive line and, and, and you know, standing there next to um, Napier and, and while he's calling plays and, and talking through things. I mean, it just that's that's just what a leader does. You know, he he's not he's not going to sit and sulk in the locker room about how his injury is going to mess up the rest of his season. He didn't care about any of that. He's back on the field with his team, trying to help him any way that he can, despite not being able to play. I mean, that's just, it was, it was awesome, man. It was just absolutely awesome. I loved it. So yep. really good stuff. Really like seeing the, the camaraderie that, that, 
by all accounts, seems to really exist on this team and just continues to grow. It can only help us, to your point. It can only help us. It can only make us better as we continue to go forward. So with that, moving on to officiating and a little move back, you suck. Again, yeah. love, loved hearing that this week. Heard that in the background several times. Uh, really, really liked it. Um, overall, I'll just give kind of a high level. Far from the worst game that we've seen, despite a lot of flags. I and mean, there are a lot of flags in this game. Um, but much better replay reviews this week. They were more accurate and they were quicker, much quicker. They were so long last week, um, but I thought they got the targeting right on Mertz. I thought they're on Brown. Sorry, it was on Brown. They got the targeting right on Brown. They got the, um, of course, the the review right on Burden um, on that deflection, right? Not, not actually making that catch. So it, just the two that come to mind. I thought, I thought they did a good job um, on the replays and, and just not taking too long with them, which I thought was good too. I did see two actually non-flagged hits on Mertz that I thought should have been roughing the passer. Um, And I'm not talking about where he got rolled up on his knee because that was inadvertent. But just twice he got smacked in ways that we've seen get flagged on other quarterbacks for what would be considered just late, right? Just being late. And it doesn't get flagged. Again, I get it's a subjective thing when it's after the ball is thrown, but we keep seeing it. And it's, for whatever reason, we just don't seem to get those calls. I don't know if it's how he falls, if it's something about the way the the defender hits him versus the way we hit defenders. I don't know. I don't know what the hell it is, but I really wish we could start getting some of those flags because, man, Mertz, I mean, it doesn't matter now because he's out, but, man, he was he just got beaten up all season with that stuff. And I, I it really gets under my skin after a while. So I, I got to say, I didn't love that. Um, last but not least, this one, this one definitely got under my skin. It doesn't excuse what happened. It certainly doesn't excuse what happened. But Princely was held on that fourth and 17. He was coming around the edge. He beat his man. And he was absolutely impeded in his progress to the quarterback. Now, would he have got there? I don't think so. I don't think he would have. However, doesn't matter if he was held. That's still a penalty. It should have been flagged. It decided the game, and you can't just let that go. You just can't. And I know that back judge was standing right there and had a bird's eye view of it because it was right on the edge. It was the easiest one to see, the easiest one to flag. When it comes to holding, that interior stuff is tough, right? Because the quarterback's in your way. You got offensive line players in your way. But those edge rushers, man, you got a bird's eye view from that back judge. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you got a bird's eye view to seeing that. And he was right on the outside. Clearly easy to see that he was past his man and being held up. That's what I saw. What'd you see? I saw a lot of the same. Um, You know what? I'm going to go back to UF's fourth possession. Third and one. There's a stoppage of play for something I've never heard of in my life. Center judge out of position? Yeah, dude, that was weird. (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) There's only, you know, seven sets of eyes, eight sets of eyes on the field. Um, (laughs) It, well, it clearly, clearly there were only clearly there were only seven on that play because one because two of them were out of position. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? It's like we could have taken advantage of the Mizzou substitution, right? And and again, yeah. 
this this is one of those things where 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 crap compounds, right? Because what happens right after it? It's like, oh great, now we have a dead ball. Now we have a penalty. Now we got to go through all this garbage. Yeah. And it and now again, it was it was a clear foul. I get that, but still, it just it shouldn't have been. It shouldn't have been. It shouldn't have been. Um, yeah, that was that was a weird deal to have a dead ball just stoppage for that. It wasn't even a penalty, but like what a weird thing to have no. happen. Right, because that, that's the other thing too. If if right, if we would have caught Mizzou with 12 on the field, right? Because I yeah. by my I saw 12 on the field. No, we, the they ball, absolutely had it. They absolutely had play. it. They even called it out. Yeah. Yeah, had a free play. So, you know, and then uh, of course the false start by Richie right yeah. after. Yeah. Just things. Just things. Anyway, yeah, it does. Um, it does. I know a lot of people are saying there should have been DPI on Kimber on that pass breakup because he didn't no. locate the football. Nope. So that's what's tough about that, right? Just because he didn't locate the football, there was very little contact before yep. that ball got to the receiver. Didn't right? grab, didn't hold. I thought it was clean. It was very clean. So that's why when you look at – remember the DPI call in the end zone? The Arkansas yep. game, how Devin late Moore. that was. Yep. Very late, right? Had had very, very similar dealings as far as the physicality, barely any, only when the ball got to him, his hand up in between, his whole body essentially up between the receiver's hands. The receiver wasn't going to catch the ball, the receiver's gonna catch Kimber. So right. anyways. Um I get that the okay, so so this this is what bothered me. I get that the reviews were were quicker, more decisive, de- decisive. But here's the thing. They couldn't see Cook's knee down before that handoff to Schrader. Did we really need a review for that? Yeah, that's he, had to bend, he had to bend down to grab the football, and his left knee was bent. Oh, hey, look, there's the ground. There's his knee. Probably should blow that dead. And again, when you look at behind the quarterback, you've got a back touch, and you have the white cap. You got two. Pretty key. Yeah. Right? Cook's touchdown run. Did that really warrant a review? Yeah. Looking good at call. positioning on the goal line, and you look at both the judges on the side, that was a pretty easy call. Just saying. Somebody saw something, who knows? Indisputable, that's fine. No problem. And then, of course, <sighs> Princely was absolute. I, I, I talked to a buddy. He's not necessarily a Mizzou fan, right? But he did go to Missouri. His wife went to Missouri. That's where he met his wife. And he said, yeah, dude, that was a hold. That was a hold. It was evident. And again, you have a back judge. You have a white cap right there to see it. And it went uncalled. And that's the thing. When when a player like that, and this is the, the toughest part about a hold. You get it if they're holding between the shoulder pads. You get it. But once they start to turn or once – the defensive player goes to separate and the offensive player does not allow him to separate and or yep. that jersey gets tugged and or you have a hand inside of a pad forcing the restriction. You got to call that. Yeah, you just got to yeah. call that. And that For in sure. that crucial of a time, you know, in that crucial of a time and that much of an opportunity, that was just that was just absolutely unfortunate. So, yeah, it just it just made that all the more brutal. Right. Because not only do we mess up and give up something we never should have, but on top of it, it never should have happened. And it's like it's yeah. just double whammy, man. That that 
that place sucked. <laughs> it did. It did. So again, not the worst called game, but I tell you what, that last yeah. call. Oof. Yeah. See wolf. Agreed. Wolf. That's but good. That's, it, that's good. All right. Fair enough. Good deal. All right. Let's wrap this thing up. Talk to me about where we're at, where you think we're going into this last game here. Do we? Uh, you can. You can give me a prediction if you think we get bowl eligible or not. We don't have. You don't have to. Um, but just give me a the state on how you think we're going to do, how we're going to play. How's the How's the Brown show going to go? And uh, yeah, give me your thoughts on that. Um, famous quote: "Release the hounds." Yeah, buddy. That's it. That's I like it. it. It's 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 it, you know senior day in the swamp. It, it we might not have a lot of seniors, but you know the walk-ons, all those guys who have been in the scout yep. team and practice all those years. Kudos to them for assisting in the program. Kudos to them for their journey along the ways. But at the end of the day, what? It's the swamp. It's FSU. I'm sure there's going to be a pregame scuffle or two or three. Like backup against backup. I, I what have you got to lose? Just let it go. Just let it all go. Let it all I go. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Play free. And yes, yes, we're bull eligible. Let's go. Yeah, man. Plan to wreck their season, make our season for what it is. I mean, what a great what a great set of stakes, really, you know, considering right where where we're at this year. I think I think the way this worked out, it, it could really be cool. Um, so. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. No question. This was a tough loss. Right. This one. This one hurt. But now this week does present a really interesting opportunity to still become bowl eligible with both backup QBs. Right. Playing. Um as I said before, I liked a lot of what we saw with Brown um, and more than what I thought I would. Right. If he can continue that and the team can keep fighting for senior day in the swamp, we might pull this off. However, it's also fully possible that the defense is still too porous and the offense just can't execute with Brown like what we did at the end of that game. And we end up five and seven. All we can do is wait and watch. I, it's just where I'm at with it, man. I'm not going to get to a point where I'm like, oh, yeah, we got this now. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm not going to do it because we're just we're just not at that point. Could we? Yeah, I think we could. I definitely see ways that we can win this game. I also see ways we can lose this game for sure. So it's just going to be a situation where we're just going to have to see what happens, how it comes out. I hope we get the outcome we want. We'll see how it goes. So with that, let's talk a little keep it or pitch it for this week. Um, We both went one and two last week um, since we agreed on all the picks unusually. So that brings the season total to 15 and 14 for me. I'm I'm just trying to stay above 500. (laughs) And you are you are you are uh, trying to trying to bring it back up at nine and 20 right now. So it's it's been rough, as we know. I'm what? just gonna pack it in. I'm just gonna pack it in. No problem. <laughs> I'm gonna go out fighting either way. Nah, man, it's all good. It's all good. All <laughs> right. So it's just for fun anyway, right? Oh yeah. Um, so let's let's talk some people or pitch it for FSU. So FSU is currently ranked 62nd in the nation in rushing yards with 162.3 per game. I'm not sure how that's 62nd. Guess there's some teams putting up a lot of yards per game, but that's the fact. Right. right. Um, this defense will load up against the run, meaning our defense will load up against the run with less threat of the passing game because we have the backup quarterback in. I'm not saying that's definitively the case, but just just theorizing. 
and we will allow less than 150 rushing yards this weekend. Keep it or pitch it. Yeah, that's what's tough about that number. See, that that that's deceiving in a couple of ways because 162.3 a game, sure, no problem. But the other thing is, with Travis out and Travis is a, as mobile as they come, they might rely more on their back play. And so, having that been said, are we? I, I love your word, porous. Is the defense porous? So, on that basis, um, I'm going to say, pitch it. Yep. I love the analysis there. I'm going to do the same. I'm going to pitch this as well. And it's interesting how we're coming more in line as we've seen more of the team play. So it's interesting. We have our we have our takes on what we think is going to happen earlier in yeah. the year based on just kind of, you know, educated guessing. And now we're seeing more of what this team does and doesn't do, right? And, and we are coming more into line. It's interesting how that's working. Um, I, I'm pitching this as well. Very similar reasons. Um I also just think that, you know, we're we're probably just still too depleted on defense to stop a team that clearly is capable of running the ball. Um, yeah. Now, I will say that the team that's going to be fielded out there is probably better against the run than they are the pass, right? So that does theoretically play in our advantage for this, but we'll see what happens. I, I still don't think we're going to hold it that low, but um, but we'll see what happens. So, all right, number two, FSU is converting 41.4% of their third down so far this season. Um, UF will hold them to less than their season average. So nothing special about this. They'll just keep them under their season average of 41.4. Just for those who might be curious, our current, we are currently holding teams to 36.6, I believe was the number on the year, um, for third down conversion percentage, which is like 48th, I believe nationally. So keep it or pitch it. Boy, I, B, I had a tough time with this one when you sent it to me. Originally, my mind said, pitch, 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 pitch. We we can't do it. But uh, if they go, you know, if they go four of 10, that's 40%. And get four and under, I just, that's going to be really hard to do, especially with the amount of weapons they have, especially with, with uh, Keon Coleman, especially with Johnny yeah. Wilson. So on yep. that basis, um, I am going to pitch it i'm right there with you i think we're really close here um i think we keep it very near this number i don't think that they're converting a ton of third downs on us especially now with the backup quarterback in there ideally we get them in more third and longs because we are doing a decent job against the run um yeah however i think those receivers are they got some big boy receivers man they're they're not messing yeah. around at that position and, and i think we do give up slightly more than this i think it's probably 45-ish, something in that neighborhood. But I think we do just go over this number. So I'm with you. I pitch it as well. All right. Last but not least, FSU is allowing an average of four yards per carry on the season. So their defense is allowing four yards per carry on the season. The Gators will average, again, not counting any sack yards. So this is the way we look at the stat, not the, the official right stats that do include sack yardage. 5.5 yards per carry during this game. Keep it or pitch it. Man, uh, you're saying at least five five, maybe higher, right at, at five, least five 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 at a minimum, five point five or more. You know what? Last game, the swamp, senior day, Max Brown, dual yep. threat. I'm sure there's going to be some different plays being thrown their way or rushed their way. 
I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go with keep it. I'm right I, there with you. I'm right there with you again, man. We are agreeing again. No, all three again. Good and night. it's exactly what your last point was. It's because of Max Brown. I would pitch this if Mertz were playing. Because yeah. Max Brown is playing and because what we already talked about, that this plays into Napier's hand from the run game perspective. I think we will run the ball more than we have been. We've been seeing a lot more pass heavy in the offense, right? I think we will run the right. ball more and we will be more effective doing it because of the threat of Brown being able to run. I think that is what will make the difference in this stat. Now, if we overuse it, right, this is the one thing about Napier. If he gets conservative, right, and starts running too many times when he should be throwing, that's where this stat could get botched. But if he keeps the balance, right, and trusts Brown to throw to try and win the game, then I think we'll be fine and we'll get this. But that would that would probably be the thing that would do it. I don't actually think this will come down as much to execution as it does you know, is Napier just running into ill-advised sets all the time, you know, that because he he can do that. He's shown he can do that. So hopefully that doesn't happen and we go from there. So there we have it. That'll that'll wrap this up. So with that, any anything to close out here? Um, no, man, I can't believe <laughs> can't believe the FSU game is this week. I can't believe Thanksgiving is I know. here. This is wild. Mean, in going through all this, in going through group therapy, it's been great. Um, <laughs> I mean, the pod. Uh, uh, going through these conversations with you has been fantastic. I really enjoyed our agenda and and and, uh, and the way this all came together. Again, we're doing this purely out of just fun and for grins and giggles. Yeah. Um, and again, therapy. But um, can't believe it's it the, the season's the season's done, man. It's just unreal. It just it it, it took by. a long time. It the ramp up, the ramp up, the ramp up, and then in between the weeks, and then this this four game skid again to to come out of to come out this Saturday with a win, upset their season, kick the four game skid, get bull eligibility. I it, it it's gonna be it's gonna be a trifecta though, and one that hopefully we can pull off. I hear you, man. Really well said. You're absolutely right. It has flown by. I've really enjoyed it. Um, and, and for the record, for those who are listening, we're not done after this week. We're going to do a, a season recap. We will do a bowl preview if we have one um, yep. and uh, and talk about some other things with recruiting. Probably going to do something for National Signing Day. So we still got some more stuff on the docket that we're going to continue to do um, going forward here. But um for now, you know, obviously this will this will be our, our last recap of a, a regular season game next Monday. Uh, but just really appreciate everybody that's taking the time to listen. And, and uh, oh, yeah, we, we've really enjoyed doing it. So to to Randy's point, you know, it's it's really been fun and it really has flown by. I can't believe the season's over. It's just it's, yeah, buddy. it's wild. It's wild. But um, with that, we will say our farewells here and and tell you that wherever you are and whenever you may be listening. Thanks for taking the time. And we'll see you around, Gator Nation.